ready to meet another woman who's built a multi-million dollar business in the cannabis industry? Tell me, boy, you make me so bored. You need to walk the other way. I tell you once more. Welcome back to Women Leading in Cannabis, where we go deep and get real with the pioneering women shaping today's cannabis industry. You can find us on the PodConnects Network on iTunes, Spotify, and Pandora. And if you like what you hear, subscribe to Women Leading in Cannabis. I'm your host, Kira Reed. I'm here today with Olivia Alexander, CEO and founder of Kush Queen. Welcome to the show, Olivia. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Olivia has grown Kush Queen into a multi-million dollar, multi-channel brand manufacturing only the finest cannabis-infused products. The Kush Queen product line includes award-winning bath bombs, pain relief lotions, ingestible wellness supplements, and skincare. Since working in her first dispensary in 2006, Olivia has worked with countless cannabis companies in social media, creative direction, and digital growth strategy. Referenced as the queen of CBD by the LA Times, Olivia has a knack for being able to develop, connect, and relate cannabis to community health and wellness. As a voice for progressive change and industry inclusion, Olivia was recognized as one of the cannabis industry's top women founders by Variety Magazine, Green Entrepreneur, and Gondrepreneur in 2020, as Dope Magazine's 2017 Social Media Influencer of the Year, and shouted out as the Mariah Carey of Weed by Elle in 2020. Olivia, such an impressive resume. You've been working in cannabis since 2006. Totally makes you an OG. So go way back and tell us, how did you end up working in cannabis? And has it turned out the way that you thought when you started? And then kind of wrap in there, how did you end up launching Kush Queen? Well, it's a very long story, but in um, when I was 18, I tried cannabis for the first time. I grew up in South Louisiana, a place where cannabis was very stigmatized. I actually knew someone whose brother was murdered buying weed in our town. So I had a very stigmatized view of it. I tried it and the first night I slept the greatest sleep that I have ever slept in my life. And it was sort of this expansive moment for me where I was like, is everything about this plant that I know a lie? And it, it kind of was. Within six months, um, a friend of a friend was opening up a medical dispensary called the Green Easy, which is now the artist tree in West Hollywood. And I wanted to be a bud tender. And it was behind that counter that I fell in love with not just the plant, but the people that used it. You know, cannabis is nothing without our bodies and without us interacting with the molecules. And every day people came into the dispensary. Um, sure, some were there to get high, but most were there for medical or wellness reasons. And I, I just couldn't believe that we were just selling lollipops and goldfish and, you know, weighing out eighths. And, and I really knew then I would do something in cannabis. I always thought it would be 
media or content. I had grown up acting and being a performer most of my life. Um, And then really everything just kept going from there. I always was a person who could sell someone weed. I constantly made products. I had a failed edibles line back then called Sky High Edibles with my mom. Um, We made them in our kitchen. And then in about 2012, I started a company called The Crystal Colt. The Crystal Colt made Swarovski crystal vape pens and accessories, and I called the pen for cannabis Kush Queen. I was able to receive a trademark. I started selling t-shirts and other apparel, things that said, you know, high maintenance, marijuana, prima donna, and really sharing my cannabis use online. And that is where everything really expanded for me. Um, At a certain point, I had about 3 million followers um, combined on all of my social platforms. And then Along the way, I started trying to sell CBD online in the form of a bath bomb. It was called the Crystal Colt then. And then in about 2015, I had spent years in the trenches growing, extracting, working in marketing, um, influencing great brands, really getting to be in the industry. And that's when I lost my social media following and said, you know what? It's the time. You know, I I didn't see that moment as my my life's being ruined. I saw it as this is the moment that I can actually step into a greater power. And I reimagined Kush Queen with my partner, Michael Sawyer. Um, My mom helped me formulate the bath bombs. And it felt like within six months, everything had sort of exploded. And then we had a warehouse. I had 11 employees back then. And I just kind of thought, what is going on? And it's kind of been... um, you know, balls to the walls ever since. We just have not stopped. And it's been an incredibly expansive time for us with Kush Queen. In 2017, we did a canicure activation with a nail salon chain called Bella Cures. It's still the best selling service in all seven of their salons. Um, in 2019, I made it to New York Fashion Week. I created products with Alice and Olivia being the person that they chose to make CBD products for their brand. Um, I'm proudly still in the compliance cannabis market in California. And we sell our hemp products um, all over the country and starting to expand all over the globe. So it's really a dream come true for me. So I love the fact that you are one of those stories of an overnight success in a decade. (laughs) Yeah. So you've been busting ass in the trenches. You've started businesses that haven't succeeded and then it caught and boy, it really caught. So Tell us about what that was like being in the trenches and not knowing if you would ever have any success going through those failures. And how did you keep going? Why didn't you say, screw it, I'm done with this industry? Instead, you just pivoted, pivoted, pivoted until you hit your mark. How did you do it and why did you do it? I think for me, cannabis is my passion. I love it. I love being a part of the industry. And I really just always fail forward. My favorite mantra is they can't stop you if you don't stop. And being in cannabis, the businesses especially face so much pushback at every turn. It's kind of every day is the ultimate pivot. Um, There are these huge rocks in your way, especially back then, banking, merchant processing. Um, You know, I hid most of what I did from a significant amount of people for a long time. Um, I mean, when I got on social media, it was game over, but it's really my passion. And I tell people I'm a lifer here. I'm never going to give up on the plant. Plant medicine has transformed 
my personal wellness. I've been diagnosed bipolar since my early 20s. I don't use pharmaceuticals because I use plant medicine. And then more than that, I think it's the dream of every young millennial to have a career of true passion. We've seen how many people fall victim to corporate America and these experiences where you can't truly be who you are. And then you know, being in cannabis is one of the most exciting things I could have ever chosen for my life. Every day, you're sort of on the cusp of new laws, changes, regulations. And to see the growth, um, to see the industry evolve, it's just something I'm here for. And I'm, I'm here for it for a really long time, not a good time. That's another one of my favorite quotes. And I think that it's really just because my heart is so connected to this plant and what it brings to people's lives and what the power that it holds to change a person's world and then the world around us. I think it's just so powerful and it's a very special time that we're living in. And I always want to be a part of it no matter what. And I was never focused on success. I was always just focused on living my most authentic life and being in my passion. So we fast forward to today and now you have a multi-million dollar company. What does that feel like? (laughs) <laughs> what has changed for you the most as you've scaled up your business? How have you changed as a leader? And in this, what advice do you have for women who are building their CBD or cannabis businesses about scaling up? So for me, um, I wasn't a traditional businesswoman. I didn't have experience. And I struggled a lot in the early days, um, just really trying to comprehend it all, trying to understand it. And being you know, very frank, I was not the businesswoman that I am today. I didn't know my business the way that I know my business now. And being really present with my team, getting a life coach, and honestly having to change almost everything about myself over the course of the past seven years is is how I did it. But every day in those trenches, every day, you know, especially scaling a handmade product like a bath bomb in a compliant market that requires parts per billion testing, um, where literally if the weight is off by a tiny fraction, I fail my batch. Um, We had some rough times, you know, being on the cusp of the CBD boom, um, being shut down by our banks, not having a bank. I used to run my business with a backpack and a cash counter in, you know, uh, three very strange warehouses that I took over in, in the valley in Van Nuys. And every day I just remembered that I was betting on myself. And that is my advice to other women who want to be in the space, other women who want to have brands. Um, or have other maybe ancillary ideas or services to bring to the space. Bet on yourself. Um, and you can't, you really can't lose. Um, even when I was failing, it didn't feel like it because I was winning, because I was living this this dream. And with scale, I always wanted to focus on never losing the quality. I spent years working for companies who could care less about the quality of their product or the efficacy of it. And with scale, that's what always suffers is the quality. And for me, there were days where we shut down production for days and days and days and had, you know, humongous orders just waiting because we were still figuring out how to scale our process. And then just being in the nooks and crannies of my business, I've had I've walked people through our facility, our our hemp facility in Anaheim, and they're so impressed that we have, you know, manufacturing software. And I know every single item in the building, you know, it, it's in my software. And we spent so much time and money on the manufacturing side itself, because 
for us at Kush Queen, our product is what made us and never abandoning our commitment to that product, especially now um, post COVID where the supply chain (laughs) has been completely destroyed and it could be so easy to cut corners. We don't. And I think at the end of the day, that's also because I use these products every single day um, and I need them. And so really just staying committed to the product at scale and then who we are. We could have easily lost our way um, as we grew as a company and we didn't. We're, we're sort of the same company and leading people has been the greatest honor of my life. My team are my family. I know people say, oh, look out for companies that say they're a family, but we, we really truly are. My production manager was my first employee that wasn't related to me. My mom has worked for me since 2012. My cousin's wife is my CMO. We are very much a family-owned and operated business. And especially during COVID, when the burnout is so real, um, when the world's just spinning around us, it really was a time that we came together and, and we were thriving. And that's because my leadership, but also because their commitment to this dream and them showing up every day for passion which, you know, is so much more powerful in, especially for young people than showing up for profit. So what does the future hold for Kush Queen? What is your vision going forward? (laughs) Well, we're really excited to expand into other states. Like many brands, we have cornered California. We have such an amazing footprint. Our digital online business is massive. It's one of those things that I think gave me the ability to actually grow my business without, you know, VC funding or, you know, taking that path. I still retain over 85% of the company myself. So we're going to be expanding into Washington and Arizona very shortly. We have a couple other states slated, probably more for 2023, and then really just continuing to innovate, really continuing to put women first in our brand and in our products and continuing to expand. We're expanding into much more powerful categories in California right now with our prepackaged flower pre-rolls. That's something that has always been the vision for me. I got put into this category because I sold a bath bomb in a, in a dispensary. And let's be real, no one goes to the dispensary to buy a bath bomb. <laughs> nope. But it is the most incredible delivery method. Your skin is your biggest organ. Your body is absorbing the cannabinoids and the essential oils and the heat of the water is opening up your pores. And it feels like a full body massage without um, without getting one. And you know, people laughed me out of the dispensaries until they didn't anymore. And then they were like, when are you going to be able to make enough bath bombs for all of us? And so we've, we've been able to have this very beloved relationship with these retailers. And now, you know, we really want to just expand into bigger categories because people do go to dispensaries for prepackaged flour and pre-rolls. And we want to show this industry and the world that we are a force in bigger categories as well. And that's something that I hope all women in this space Um, do is go after the bigger categories. There's been this idea that women should make topicals because a bunch of us did. (laughs) But at a certain point for me, a cannabis company, a great cannabis company, the great cannabis company I've been trying to build makes not just hemp products, but products in all categories within the compliant cannabis market. So that's what we have on the horizon. Very exciting. Very exciting. Okay, let's let's change lanes here a little bit. In your bio, it states that you are a progressive voice for change and industry inclusion. 
When did you realize that you needed to be a voice for change? And what change are you seeking through that activism? So I've been pretty vocal and wild on social media as an activist since the early days. Um, when I was getting censored on social media, when I was being deleted for posting cannabis content. And then when I realized that in when I had my marketing agency and my social media channels, that all of the other biggest channels for cannabis were owned by men. And the only way I was going to differentiate myself was but by putting myself out there on the front line, by saying women deserve to be here. I spent years really predominantly building other female influencers in the space and and helping them and then supporting actual campaigns um, with a number of different organizations like the Social Impact Center back in like 20, I don't know, 2015, maybe 2014, we did a campaign of just people proclaiming that cannabis was their medicine. Um, there's just such a you know recreational movement along with the plant that we really wanted to uphold space. I've done work with the Abilities Expo, I have a number of people in my family who are not able-bodied and really we use cannabis on them that has transformed their life. Um, and then of course, now that I'm in the power position at Kush Queen, we've been dedicated to honoring and upholding the history, the shared history of the LGBTQIA community and cannabis. Because if it wouldn't be for gay men and women, if it wouldn't have been for Harvey Milk in 1976, who passed that first piece of decriminalization, legalization, who knows where we would be? And they were organized because they were dying of AIDS. You know, we have Prop, we had Prop 215 because of that. So doing that work, working with formerly incarcerated people as well, um, employing the children of incarcerated people, and then really just being loud and proud that I am neurodivergent, you know, that I am a millennial, that I didn't come from, from wealth. And then, of course, sharing my experience of being the only woman, woman in so many rooms um, and just always kind of being willing to, you know, to, to fight and to rumble back in the day, I used to be way more into takedowns, <laughs> but, um, and I just go at it with people all the time, <laughs> but now that I'm a little bit older and wiser, um, and <laughs> I, I've really evolved a little bit in my leadership style. I realized that, you know, you just need to put your head down and do the real work. And we just try to do as much as we can with our brand as a tool for good. Because what is this plant if we're not using it to better the world? You know, it's just another commodity like every other industry. And for me, because cannabis changes your consciousness, because it elevates your senses, your opens you up, I feel like it's just the perfect pairing for a really progressive and socially conscious brand. And then, you know, I know my generation, I know Gen Z, they're not here for a brand without convictions. And along the way, I've had so many people say, ooh, watch out, watch out what you say, watch out what you post, watch, watch that. But it, it really never cost me anything. I only gained from it. And at the end of the day, in the last few years, especially with the George Floyd protests and all of this movement for diversity and inclusion in cannabis, I was happy to say, I've always been doing this. You know, you can go back on my social media to the beginning. And I've been talking about white privilege and cannabis. I've talked, I've talked in interviews about being very young and traditionally beautiful by society standards and how I think I've even benefited from misogyny in this space. 
And so my career has just sort of been this this very organic thing, but very much so driven by being an activist, being uh, politically outspoken, and at the end of the day, I think truly being a radical feminist, because I still don't see enough women in this space. That's something that I'm still, I, I can't believe in 2022, we're still banging this drum, but <laughs> of course we are. Not only are we banging this drum, but we are losing power in the industry rapidly. Despite the fact that for years we have been saying cannabis is our opportunity to build an equitable industry and to take real estate um, in an industry where we don't have to fight for it because we're there at the beginning. And it's just, it's not turning out that way. Um, Also, despite Gen Z women being the fastest growing demographic of legal cannabis consumers, which I find to be the most fascinating uh, detail that's come out in the past few years is that the, especially in California, those who shop legal cannabis are millennial and Gen Z women. And then you have this industry run predominantly by older white males. Um, and I always, I always giggle a little bit, but it is really tragic to see the numbers of women in executive and leadership positions declining. And obviously, it's because of the barrier barrier to entry being so high in our space. If I had not had such a significant social media following and footing in the industry that I used as my form of capital, um, I don't know where I would be. And also, because I'm politically outspoken, because I understand the the dance between a corporation and a small brand, I've actually been able to kumbaya with some really great cannabis corporations in California. And it's because I've gone into those rooms, I've pulled my chair up and I've said, you need to value me. You need to value my product being on your shelf because it's more than a bath bomb. It's a symbol. And if you guys fill your shops with only male-owned brands, what are you saying? What are you doing? So let's dig into being a woman in the industry a little more. You started out in retail in 2006, which was a completely different industry than it is today. And now you are a CEO and founder. How has being a woman impacted your experience as you've moved up the ladder? And how has it changed? So 2006, you were at a different place working in the industry than you are today, but the industry has also changed. So tell me about what that's been like. Well, when I started as a bud tender, I swear to you, I didn't bring a resume and I was told that they wanted, quote, pretty girls to sell weed at their dispensary. That was their big angle. (laughs) Um, And sure enough, there were a number of really incredible women who I'm still bonded with to this day that I worked in that store. And then I started working in the industry and there was just a few women. Everyone always knew Christy from Kiva was was like at the top of her game always. There's a woman named Sh- uh, Shauna Droji who um, has since uh, sold her company, but she was one of the original owners of Bang Chocolate and then um, went on to own Soul Distro, my distributor in California. Um, and then Dr. Dina and Corey Thomas from Honey Pot Bear. I, I will never forget seeing Corey win a cannabis cup. I was there doing social media for a brand. And she stood up there and she she won her cannabis cup. And that was a big moment for me of representation where I thought, mm, I can make products. I can win awards. I know I know how to make these products. I know I know how to make a more effective product. And then being a woman myself, having my own 
women issues, you know, making a bath bomb that someone soaks in for 40 minutes. You know how many times I've had comments on TikTok, oh, this will disturb the pH. And I'm very proud. Like, no, it doesn't. If, if my bath bomb did that, I can assure you, I wouldn't have built this business off of the back of this bath bomb. And then that product alone, you know, just being laughed out of so many dispensaries, um, our lubricant being such a huge um, seller for us in the compliant market and in the hemp market. People love weed lube, let's be real. But it's just another, <laughs> it's just another product that I think being a female founder, um, having so many women on my team, it really changes the way we talk about it, the way we market it, the way we formulate it. It sort of affects every little thing at the company. And really, truly, then we embody, especially in our leadership and our communication and the way we work together in this very powerful feminine energy. And I just, with the numbers of women who use cannabis, with knowing that women have always been in charge of the household income and spending in in most um, American families, I've just never understood why women haven't been more of a priority in our space other than they're not in charge. And so for me, I've always just been trying to encourage other women, young people, um, people from just different experiences, just to come, come be a part of the space, go after it, because it has completely defined every bit of my experience. I think, especially in the media, getting a lot of press, especially early on, it was, it was definitely to my benefit that I was a woman, that I was young, that I was attractive. And I will say... I have had such an easier go in this space than so many other women. I have heard horror stories, sexual harassment, assault, just some really scary things. And I have always been very protected by not just men, but women in the space as well. And in the early days when I'd go into rooms, I felt this, I had imposter syndrome. I had to really prove myself and sell myself. And now as the industry has evolved, as my career has really evolved, and I've just had many more years under my belt, I have to do a lot less of that. But it's still really important to me that people know who Olivia is, who I really am, not just Olivia, the CEO and founder of Kush Queen, and the same with Kush Queen. I think of Kush Queen as a living, breathing woman. And because we approach her as a she, as this living thing, um, it's really sort of evolved, you know, everything in our culture and I think in our marketing. And then of course, we like to have fun, you know, and I think that so much of legal cannabis today has become so serious and it is serious. It's, it's big business. It is, it's a billion dollar industry. But I think that there's a certain element of cannabis, even cannabis wellness, that we can make fun. And I know that if I wouldn't be a woman and have that perspective and have that connection to other women, our brand would not look or feel the way that it does without a woman being in control and in charge. And frankly, if the women, if if the cannabis industry had been filled with women and women-owned brands, I wouldn't have had my opportunity. You know, it really provided me that opportunity. That makes sense. Um, you mentioned imposter syndrome, and this I hear this in almost every interview that I conduct with powerful women. Tell us what that looked like what that felt like, and how do you get through it? And is it something you're still experiencing? 
I don't think I experience it anymore because I've really done a lot of what I call the real work with my life coach. I've really tried to emancipate myself, like I said, from my brand. I am not my brand. My brand is not me. My success is not me. The press is not me. I am just Olivia, a girl from Louisiana who loves her family and loves cannabis. Um, but along the way, because I was so connected to it, because I had no form of identity if my company didn't make it, which maybe in the early days was to my benefit because failure was not an option, but I was faking it, um, what I feel like 99% of the time, but it was just this very strange thing where I hid it very well, especially with social media. I think that's another huge problem with millennial and Gen Z women is we have this tool now at our fingertips where you can really show people who you want them to think you are. And it is very convincing, but I was definitely suffering. And then when we did the Alice and Olivia collab in 2019, I mean, I was still really successful. We were at a huge point, but I still didn't feel worthy. And then I remember being at New York fashion week in this whole other beast And I'm just this cannabis girl, you know, I'm not a model or anything like that. And I had a lot of insecurity of just like, do I really belong here? Um, And for me, if I wouldn't have a deep spiritual center, a life coach, a really strong group around me, I, I don't know if I would have, you know, made it through some of these darker, tougher times. Um, But really, truly now, the shift is really in my confidence. I know the difference when I'm faking it and when I'm not faking it. I think my social media has become significantly more authentic. I've shared so much personal stuff over the years. Um, I've also learned a little bit how to keep some of it for me and how to really just stand in my truth wherever I am that day and then just surrender to whatever is happening around me. Because I think that was also it is I wasn't just faking it. I was fighting it. And I think that you can't be faking it and fighting it. You have to really stand in your authentic power of who you are and know that that's most likely why people are buying your products or interested in your brand and then be like water and flow with it. Because especially in cannabis, like everything changes every other week. (laughs) That is good advice. Let's talk about your leadership. When you started in 2006, it was at an entry-level position in the industry. You have evolved into a CEO and founder with numerous employees, warehouses, multiple SKUs, and a big vision for the future. What has informed and inspired your leadership? And what have you gleaned from the OG women that inspired you that you were talking about before? How have they also helped you evolve into the leader you are today? Well, especially early on as a woman who was just working at other companies, I I necessarily, like I said, I didn't even believe that I could do it. Like I was so young too that I thought like, well, what Like, am I going to do? And Shauna Droji, I was sitting in the bang offices and she was like, I'm telling you, like, you have the trademarks for Kush Queen. Like, that's so much farther than most people get. Like, let me make you pink chocolate, purple chocolate. And she really encouraged me and um, Crystal from Yummy Karma High Gorgeous. She also has a very female-centered brand in California. And if it would not have been for Shauna Droji putting us on her truck in 2016, 2017, I can't say 
I would have the prowess I have in California. And to me, that's a really powerful thing because it was a woman giving me my opportunity, giving me that push to actually say, like, actually, I believe in you more than you believe in you. And then, um, you know, over the years, seeing, especially Kiva, seeing the way that Christy has sort of just managed to maintain, you know, this industry is kind of a revolving door with brands. People come and go like very quickly. It's really sad. And I find that the women, the women owned brands have so much same power. And then on the other side of it, um, I have to be really mindful of how I talk about it, but there are other people who I mentioned who had their brands purchased. They were exploited for being women founders. The corporations raise money off their backs and then they threw them by the wayside and then they signed non-competes so they can't even work in this space. So having those relationships with those other women has really given me the confidence and sort of the approach that I have because I'm very conservative in the deals that I do. I have had acquisition offers every year since I've owned this company since the beginning. And most of them have not, or none of them have happened. I've had tons of people want to give me funding. I've had VCs, you know, trying to throw money at me, humongous beauty banks. Like once I did beauty con in 2019, people were like, be a beauty brand. And along the way, I just thought, um, you know, because I know these women who've had these experiences, I knew that, you know, with selling a portion of your company with doing a certain deal, you lose power. Um, I've had great offers to be in the Canadian market, but I won't do it because I'll lose control of my product. And so I really just learn from these other women. I've been put on by so many other women and then I pass it on. Um, my friend, Rachel Wolfson, she's the star and the first woman to ever be in the Jackass movie. And she didn't get her start with me, but in cannabis, I had her on my YouTube channel and basically working for my agency back in the early days. And, um, there's so many women, Roxanne, um, she's now head of strategy for three C farms. We're planning an event next week. And these are women that have been my peers. They've been my friends and we all have each other's backs. And I think that's really something that shaped who I am as a leader. And then just being a woman, being in touch with my feminine energy, being honest with myself about my own mental health, um, being taking care of my team. I'm proud to say that we didn't lose a single person during COVID. We, we grew. Um, and I think the little things I do, like we take a week off every quarter to rest and um, we constantly have paid holidays, like paid days off just because I, my goal is to get us to four day work weeks, but I don't know if it's realistic with being in the cannabis space, but I really just want to be a leader who empowers others, other women, my team, and just really a role model. I didn't always want to be that. I, I really didn't. I wanted to be a renegade. I wanted to be radical. I wanted to be a badass. Um, and then there was a deal <laughs> one day when my NDA expires, I can't wait to squeal on this because it's a very powerful cannabis corporation. But I wrote a blog as they were looking to acquire us. That was basically like, I'm always going to be a CEO who uses cannabis. And this CEO had been, uh, prominently featured in media for saying that they didn't use cannabis and they took it as a direct assault. And they said, we'll never do that deal with her. 
And oh my, it was a big moment for me though, because I could have used it as this thing to say, F them, that guy's weak, whatever. But I didn't, I said, you know what, what does this say about me? You know, it was a little clickbaity in the caption. The article was, or the blog was really about mental health, but it really helped me evolve my thinking. And, um, I think I woke up one day and I was like, Oh, maybe I'm not this wild kid on social media anymore. Maybe I'm actually becoming a CEO. And then once you have, you know, over 20 employees and 7,000 square feet of your own to manage and, um, all of these really intense things, taxes, payroll, you know, just the nitty gritty of being a business owner. Um, it does change you. And I've been really lucky to have the support to mature and, um, really all of these great women to look up to. What are you most excited about and most concerned about federal legalization? Mm, good question. Oops. Um, hmm. I am most excited about people having cannabis across this country. It's, it's really unfair that we live in California and my cousins in Louisiana can't access the same products. Um, I think opening up access is the biggest thing that has driven me. Um, even when we voted yes on Prop 64, there was a movement within the industry to vote no. And I very publicly put on social media that I voted yes, not because I thought it was even going to benefit me as a business owner, but because I thought it would benefit access. And driving this forward, I think that's the other thing with federal legalization. In order to move the industry forward nationwide, we need it. And globally, we need it. Once we get this all together, I also think that we're in a really unique place where this is our export, but Canada owns our industry. And I really want to see cannabis become a great American export. Um, I'm most concerned about monopolization. I'm most concerned about the industry not representing the people who actually use cannabis. And then, of course, quality. I fear um, it's happening in California right now. You know, there's a press release last week, 5 million feet of greenhouse. And it's just so much cannabis. And it's just like, is that going to be the highest quality? No. Is the highest quality for everyone? Absolutely not. But I don't see the industry developing in a way that reflects the consumer base. I feel that it is dangerous what we are doing. We are building um, big giant monopolies to be acquired by other big giant monopolies instead of creating an abundant space where companies big and small work together because there are always going to be people who want a lower quality product. I mean, all my European friends, they don't want high teach. <laughs> they don't want boutique cannabis. They want like spliffs. They want very low grade um, THC content. And then you have people like myself who are always going to be a connoisseur. I'm always going to want um, to buy from conscious brands. But if we only have one type of industry, we're all going to lose. And um, then, of course, you know, regulatory, the regulatory bodies, they just, they choose to suppress innovation. 
Um, and I'm, as a person who's been an innovator, I've innovated in cosmetics, I've innovated in nanotechnology, my cosmetics in the early days at the cannabis labs, they were blowing them up. I, I had an ingredient in my, my primer and it was causing an explosion in the way that they were doing. Yeah. And they, it's because they'd never tested on a, a cosmetic before. Um, and I feel like innovation is not something that is the role of the big guy. It's the role of the, the little guy or gal. And I've always been proud to be an innovator, to do many things first. Um, you don't always win the biggest when you do it first, but you definitely, um, you definitely need innovation in a space like ours. And I constantly sit around thinking, how are people going to use cannabis in the future? Mm. <laughs> So what are you and Kush Queen looking forward to in 2022? Well, I actually got the opportunity this summer to write a book, um, The Essential Guide to Cannabis for Women, how to buy and use cannabis for recreation and wellness. Um, So we're really excited that the book is launching. We have prepackaged flour and pre-rolls coming to California dispensaries, our launch in Washington, and really just continuing to expand um, our technology and expand our customer base. There's been such a massive group of people who've come to cannabis because of COVID. Um, And I've always been hungry for the new users, even though I am an old OG. I love to connect with new people. And then hopefully um, with maybe COVID evolving, we can get back to doing events. I did BeautyCon in 2019. And it was the most fun I've ever had. I really love inhabiting non-cannabis spaces. So hopefully we'll get the opportunity to do more of that, um, to continue to grow our team and just really continue to be people who last. You know, there's just, there's so much focus on M&A. There's so much focus on um, SPACs and, and all of this sort of financial business. And for me, I just want to continue to be a really great cannabis company that people can rely on. And yeah, it's a really exciting time for us. Love that. Where can women reach you to find out more about you or Kush Queen? So we're at www.kushqueen.shop and kushqueencannabis.com. I am on all the social medias, TikTok, Instagram, uh, The Live Alexander. I tell people all the time. I, when I can find time in my schedule, I will mentor people. Please reach out to me. My DMs are always open. I'm always looking to connect with other people. And um, the book is coming out in about 10 days. So the 29th, it's going to be on Amazon at Barnes and Noble and Target and everywhere books are sold. Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you so much, Olivia, for sharing your time and journey with us today. This has been a really inspiring conversation. Thank you so much for having me and for holding this space for women. It really is uh, an incredible podcast that you have. And I really enjoyed listening to some of the episodes with other women. And so thank you for giving your time um, to all of us. Oh, thank you. And ladies, thank you for tuning in. If you haven't yet joined the Women Employed in Cannabis community, go to weicwomen.com. There you'll find all the details on membership for women working in cannabis. WEIC is a community that provides networking, mentoring, and support to women working in cannabis in the U.S., Canada, and around the world where there's an interest in cannabis legalization. We welcome women who are currently working in cannabis or curious about taking a leap into the industry. 
Consider becoming a WEIC Woman member or WEIC Business member for benefits and access across the network. And join us again for another conversation with women leading in cannabis. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey friends, I'm Brandon and I'm Saba and we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout podcast, an educational platform to connect with the cannabis community and share personal stories while breaking the stigma of marijuana. Join us every Sunday at 7 p.m. to gain valuable insight with different perspectives from industry leaders, growers, and medical marijuana patients. This is a place to learn so much from different angles in the cannabis industry. So tune in while we break it all down.